This is the After Party, live with Jim McAllister and John Daly. Good afternoon, Kim McAllister. Happy anniversary to the Mark Thompson Show. Really big show today. Huge show. And I'm feeling, I still feel really emotional. You know what's weird is we talk to each other, we have conversations with people in the chat, but you never really realize how much people count on the shows, how much people, you know, what your real connection with people is that that you don't. That was the funny thing, and I'm sure you dealt with this because you were on air long, 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 long before I ever was on KGO and other radio stations. But when I first started, you know, when I was a producer for Gene, uh, the unions only applied to the on-air talent. So the producers and board ops couldn't talk. You know, there was union protection. And then the union um, added uh, producers and and board operators to the union. So we were able to, we had a special agreement finally. You know, Albert wasn't allowed to talk because we were kind of like talking informally, and then the union got upset. And then we had a new agreement, right? You could talk up to, it was actually, it was only 120 seconds per show. So it was yeah. like two minutes, or per hour, two minutes per hour. Yeah. And we just kind of fudged that, you know, we couldn't really mention that, but we that's why if you yeah. always heard us, we'd kind of chime in on it with a little snarky little remark, yeah. um, mostly because that's my nature, but also because we could only talk two minutes per hour. And how do you yeah. do that? You know, um, we were only allowed to respond to the talent. We couldn't just start yeah. talking. There, there were certain rules, it's kind of funny. Um, but anyway, I forgot why I was going on about that. Oh yeah, because when I first started, I thought, um, you know, it's weird. You're you're talking, but you 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 don't get that immediate feedback. Like you hear mm-hmm. comedians talk about that, right? How they like yeah. doing live audiences because you don't get that feedback. You forget there were like thousands of people listening to KGL, right? right? And when I initially did start thinking about that, I started to get a little nervous, a little nervous. But after a while, you just get immune to it, right? It's kind of like a right. camera when the cameras are on you, like a reality yeah. TV show. You just kind of you forget about it. Well, that's the whole craft of really radio and TV is to forget to because when you first start, there's always this nervousness where you feel like you have to be something you're not. Yeah, go you back to the first couple episodes face, of, the sh- right? of the show. Yeah, but first couple episodes of the show, you can see me like. <laughs> but it's when you are comfortable enough to drop that and truly be yourself right. that you're able to really connect with people, and so that's what it's about, and that's what you know. Longtime people that have been in, in radio forever, when the microphone comes on, there's always a little bit of, you know. Like, okay, we're on. But it's always, you know, what you would say on is very similar to what you would say off. So it's it's just... But there's kind of an intensity and an energy and a concentration. It's kind of like driving. When You know when you're driving, you're kind of tired and you have to really focus. For me, Mm -hmm. and I think for a lot of people, when the show is on, the the only thing is the show. Like when Mark's show is on KJO, it's like, that's the show. Right. Um, and all the energy goes onto that. And it is really draining, even after Mm -hmm. two hours. Because that show on KJO Radio was intense. It yeah. was harder to do than any other show, just because the yeah. intensity and the production value. And, and Mark demands uh, not only a, a lot of uh, uh, from other people, but he he demands a lot from himself. Right. His production values are up there in like television land, right? And so I admired that because coming from radio, not yeah. every show had the uh, I don't know yeah. the tightest production, um, to put it nicely. And uh, so it was really it was really nice to work with him and um, see what he brings from the television world. Yeah. And obviously, he can host anything. Um, yeah, it's true. He's a huge talent. And and, year, and the last thing I'll say is like, you know, man. when a, a program director tells you, you know, the first thing they tell you, and I'm sure you've heard this many times, is just be yourself. Mm-hmm. And I, I, mm-hmm. like, I bit my lip, but I was thinking, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you want that. 
Really? And it, ta- well, it takes a minute for you to be yourself. It takes a minute to get over. Yeah, but you know yourself. what I mean? You think yeah. like, uh, at first it's like imposter syndrome and you think like, why would yeah. anyone care what my opinions are about anything? Like, yeah. you know. Um, so. Well, we're only a congratulations to the Mark Thompson show. Congratulations, huge, and thank you to everyone and to who Nikki, reached the out. Nikki show, who think, reached out with her. Our anniversary is next week on the sixteenth because okay. we started right. a few days after Mark. So today is actually the one year anniversary of the Mark Thompson show. Oh, and Mark would and, hate it if I, if I included anybody else right, today. So. That's right. So huge thank you Apologies. to everyone who sent in videos and lovely messages of support. Really, I can't tell you how touched and moved I am about all of that. But this is the After Party Live. And while I have you, uh, could you click the like button for us? And if you haven't already, could you click the subscribe button for us? Wes jumping in with a $5 super sticker showing the After Party Live some love. Wes T, my favorite T is Wes T. You're a beautiful person, Wes. We thank you very much for that. Super stickers are live. Uh, Hi, the bar is high today for the After Party Live to top the MTS anniversary celebration. No, like I I said in the chat, (laughs) the bar is low, but it is an open bar. So go ahead. Always an open bar here at the After Party Live. Have yeah. whatever you need. We'll we'll be here for you. Um, you can always reach us, Kim at the afterparty.live over here, John at the afterparty.live. Those are the email addresses. Feel free to reach out. Um, and of course the chat is open, the super super stickers are open, and and we thank you for all of that. Okay, let's jump okay, into the show. On. Oh, you have a family shout out. Yeah, yesterday, um, you know, my my cousin Grant in B Cave, out in B Cave, B- Texas. Uh, it's the best he, name for a city, isn't it? I know. And it's right outside of Austin. So it's like Austin is like the California friendly or California, you know, kind of like a yeah. simpatico a, a city. And he moved out there um, with his uh, lovely wife, Stella. And uh, his his mother, my Aunt Kathy, is visiting him. And they listened to the first 15 minutes of the show yesterday. And oh. I think they're listening today. So big shout out to uh, Aunt Kathy. Um my aunt Kathy had a very special relationship with my father. My father was like 18 years older than her and was her babysitter. And they always had a special connection. And my, yeah. my father adored my aunt Kathy. Aww. So big shout out to aunt Kathy as she makes the rounds to visit yeah. all her children in the, awesome. <laughs> as they've spread out uh, from the Bay area. Um, Hello to everybody sh- in B cave, Texas. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Stella and uh, Grant and the whole family in B cave, Texas. I know that he has, he knows the best spots to go. Uh, would you say hunting for uh, honey? Uh, sourcing your huh. honey honey hunting i think he knows where all the best beehives are i guess that's what i'm saying well that is a great knowledge to have and what else are you going to do in bee cave texas right i don't know <laughs> that's right i've never been there i don't know what's there listen to uh the the after party live that's right um i did this story earlier but i didn't have pictures and so this is going to be you know much better there is a bear that has won the fat bear week contest yes yes she is a beaut. She, she is a she's a big one. Yep, she's a big old bear. She's named 128 Grazer. We just call her Grazer. And <laughs> she's um well, let's see. She's a chunk of monk is what she is. Mm. She's a first-time champion. She won a final round of voting against 32 Chunk, described as a mountain of a male with a prominent posterior. They say <laughs> Then she, she was competing be... uh, against a lot of men. You know, it's not easy she to was. break that, you know, that uh, salmon ceiling. They took they took pictures of the bears in their skinny days. And right. then in their, you know, after they fattened up for the so winter. So it's not just the, the weight, second... it's, it's the gain, right? It's right. It's what the difference is between before and after, right? 
Right. So the Katmai National Park said in an Instagram post, though she may be blissfully unaware of her new title in this imaginary competition, her success is real. In the bear world, fat equals success, and all the bears have been working endlessly to pack on the pounds needed to survive winter in hibernation. It's a competition where all the contenders are winners. Congratulations, Ooh. Grazer. Look at you go. Grazer. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, in the... I guess they have to number all the, the bears. That's why they have that number at the beginning, right? Yeah. Yeah. Number 128. Number 128, Grazer. <laughs> Pretty cool. Um, we also have a cat here that was, uh, you know how I adore cats, and a lot of yeah. people adore cats, and the internet adores cats. Uh, check this guy out. A cat turned up in Calif- at a California animal control officer's backyard and was reunited with his family. Now, this is the thing. 12 years after being reported missing. Wow. That's like longer than a lot of cats live, or most cats, maybe. Uh, Riverside County Animal Services said in a news release that animal control officer Dalton Churchwell found a cat roaming in his backyard in Blythe and scanned him for a microchip. Microchip revealed that the feline named Butters, oh, hey there, Butters, had been reported missing from his family's San Diego home in 2011. Oh, man. Churchwell contacted Butters' family, who's since relocated to Stanwood, Washington. It was just unbelievable. I'm so grateful to the Officer Churchwell to have Butters identified. The officer just really went out of his way. You know, he did this on a Sunday night on his time off. Um, the uh, they they uh, they said the Ask Foundation, a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the Animal Services Department, offered to foot the bill to fly Butters to Seattle for wow. a reunion. You know, this is such a great ending to this Butters uh, journey and adventure. Would it? Yeah, I, it wouldn't be a story if Officer Churchwell had called the family and said, we found Butters, and they were like, yeah, we yeah. don't want Butters back. <laughs> but they want Butters back. And so, well, and the good news is know, he's um, yeah. settling in home with his brother, reunited with his brother, Barnacles. Oh. Uh, his uh, whereabouts yeah. for the missing 12 years are unknown. But they he say they have, a journey. They, they have no idea how he made the mo- more than 200-mile journey from San Diego to Blythe. Wow. He's like, meow, meow. So interesting. We'll work for catnip. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's a great story. Um, let's talk about this. Uh, I don't even know if I want to see a picture of this. Oh, this a, a, this I knew a, you wouldn't want to see a photo, so I have a video. Oh, no. This is a Guinness Book of World Records story. Yeah, a 22-year-old internet star broke an unusual Guinness World Record by pulling his lower lip over his nose, which is known as gurning. Were you aware of this? No. skill and holding the position for one minute and two seconds now the video is a little long but once you see it it's about two minutes or so a little longer once but you see it, it'll be permanently etched in your brain it'll be forever. permanently etched in your mind but you'll understand why i left the video long because i want you to see this and then after you see him you'll see uh prior competitors What's prior it called? record holders gurning gurning g-u-r-n-i-n-g gurning okay so it'd be well, like, now we all know a new word yeah, yeah okay okay check it out so he has lifted his lower lip over his nose and they have the official from guinness timing him i've cut this down so at first he says you know it's been 20 seconds and he's still got it you can tell that he's kind of straining right here you can tell it's getting difficult he gets to 40 seconds. We've got one minute now. 
And now they're at one minute. And he lost it at one minute, two seconds. Or he won it, rather. One minute, two seconds. It looks like he has a unique, like, chin. I don't think most people can do that. Longest duration gurning with a lower lip. We got the world record. We turned up. We did our thing. We came here and showed out. Y'all know what it is, man. And here are the uh, previous record holders from 2012. That does not look comfortable. His face is really squinched. Oh, man. It's pretty intense. And he had 53 seconds of the prior record in 2012. And uh, we're going to see some other people here. Tommy Matson, the most wins, 18. Now, his doesn't really look as impressive to me. It doesn't really look like he's covering his nose. He's just kind of blocking his nostrils. This one kind of looks like a fish. Kind of. Now, this is the image that's going to haunt you in your nightmares, Kim. But who knew there's this whole community? And look at that. Bring, in, bring all these guys together. This one looks special. <laughs> but, okay, first of all... <laughs> You're welcome. What in the world? I see why you left it long. Second yeah. of all... Like so, the first guy, when you cover your nostrils with your lip, yes, you can't breathe, right? Like so, it's a breath holding competition. Because I you guess can't... unless maybe you can do little micro breaths through your mouth if it if there's enough room and like if your like mouth through open, the hole maybe. in your lower lip or something, or maybe you know, know maybe there's just a the, maybe it's not completely sealed off. You know, there's technique Second here, Kim. Question. Like, how did you even know that you could do this? Why would you ever even start it? Was it you drunk at a frat party or something? And I think like, you everyone just, thought, oh, uh, that's cool. And then you, you realized for it was Guinness a world, world records, record like I did, and you oh. found it on the internet. And why are all the people that do that a little strange looking? Uh, Spencer has a good point. It's probably because they're all <laughs> new speakers of the house. And uh, <laughs> Karen has a very excellent point. Yes, indeed. Women are too smart to do this, obviously. I'm yeah. sure there's some lady somewhere. Yeah. Oh, my God. That so you're welcome. Awful. I had to throw that in. I mean, ow. And then the, you can't breathe, and then you have to... But you could see how to, like, a very bizarre, like, kind of like a wide, uh, small chin area, but like it was very flexible. Or something, or an underbite? Yeah, or overbite, something. yeah. But, it, like, flexibility, though. Most people's jaws are not constructed like yeah. that, right? I, I, I think can't it's, do it. It's for but a special type of people, person. Some of those people did not have their lip over their nostrils, so I don't think they should have been counted. Yeah, it felt like he was just kind of touching it, right? Yeah. Which yeah, which should probably make it easier to breathe. Um, and I, I like how we're being critical now. Harry says, <laughs> here's an unbearable donation. Oh. Maybe it will cat on. Nice, oh, Harry. Thank you, Harry. I love you and your dad jokes. You're the best. Awesome. Oh, don't call him dad jokes. That's mean. They are. No, he, I think Harry would admit. Right, Harry? No? Let's find out from Harry. Let's find out from our judges if you're being right. So in the scheme of, in the, uh, not in the scheme of things, but in the, the, the flavor of pumpkin, because we had. Oh, it's pumpkin. Earlier in the week. It is pumpkin spice season. It is, yeah, it's a pumpkin. And we had um, earlier in the week, the Half Moon Bay Pumpkin Festival World Record Setter. Looks like the Popeye. Yeah, Square. I hear you. Uh, there is a Missouri man who uh -oh. hollowed out a giant pumpkin, and 
He set <laughs> sail in it. <laughs> of course he did. Of course he did. Down the Missouri River. And he also was in search of a world record. And world record he achieved. He paddled 38.4 miles in this hollowed out pumpkin. He went from Kansas City, Kansas to Napoleon, Missouri in this 1,206-pound pumpkin boat that he calls Huckleberry. <laughs> pumpkin so boat. here's this Missouri man. His name is Steve and Huckleberry on the Mississippi River. I think we have video. Let's take a look. <laughs> that is a very large pumpkin. He's there uh, on the ramp, and they're lowering him into the river. And he's afloat. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's not sinking. That's impressive. He's out. He's out in the middle of the river and uh, doesn't look like he's taking on any water. Um, you'll have to unmute yourself. Sorry. Oh, yeah, he paddled more there. than... It was more than 38 miles in this giant pumpkin. 38.4 miles. That's almost the distance of uh, San Francisco to Petaluma. Yeah, he went a long way. So he was accompanied on his journey by about a dozen boats from Paddle KC Paddling Club. They were the support team. They helped document the journey. Uh, Nebraska man Dwayne previously set the Guinness World Record for longest journey by pumpkin boat. His was 37 and a <laughs> half miles, but Steve did 38 and a half miles. So the yeah. evidence from the attempt is now being submitted to the Guinness World Records for the official certification. Yeah, that's what I thought, Sandy. So pumpkins do float. Interesting. Now, I thought pumpkins floated like before they had been cut open, right? a gourd would just float on the water before you. Yeah. But once you cut into it and the air gets in, I just, I don't know. I'm surprised that that heavy of a pumpkin would float. Well, the, I mean, the outer, the outer shell of it relative to the size is not a lot of weight. So it's the mm -hmm. buoyancy, right? Like any, any craft that floats, but you know, it's, if it was heavy and dense, you'd probably have more uh, a difficult time. But yeah, I mean, if you think about the outside of the pumpkin yeah. and you get this huge volume of, you know, of air. Um, yeah. Apparently. It works. I a lot of a lot floats. of fruits do float. A lot of Who a lot knew? of fruits, yeah, pomelos and things you see in, in rivers. They float down the river. Uh, bananas float. Um, yeah, pretty cool. Uh, we have this other story here. Um, we had followed the asteroid sample from Bennu, right? And we have an, oh, an update. That's right. We we sent something up there, a little uh, rover, to right. collect the sample. The sample drops down. John Daly over here is thinking it's alien life forms coming back to Earth, right? Well, but no. <laughs> but what it is is a pristine asteroid sample that they say could serve as a time capsule from the early days of our solar system. Right. Rocks and dust contain water and a large amount of carbon, according to the NASA yeah, administrators. You can see the carbon there on the right side. They suggest the asteroids like Bennu may have delivered the building blocks of life to Earth. This sample is nearly 5% carbon by weight. And so we were waiting to find out what, when they opened the capsule, that they would find. And here is the quote from Bill Nelson with NASA. He says, the first analysis shows samples that contain abundant water in the form of hydrated clay minerals, and they contain carbon as both minerals and organic molecules. He said it far exceeded the goal of 60 grams. It's the biggest carbon 
rich asteroid sample ever return to Earth. The carbon and the water molecules are exactly the kinds of material that they wanted to find. He said they're crucial elements in the formation of our own planet, and they are going to help us determine the origin of elements that could have led to life. So this sample was taken from a four and a half billion year old near Earth asteroid, again called Bennu, October of 2020, by the OSIRIS-REx mission, which arrived back to Earth in a capsule last month, dropping from the spacecraft and landing in the Utah desert. They are still studying this, still trying to figure everything out. They're also going to take portions of it and set it away uh, for future generations to study, maybe when science, you know, technology gets better and we're more able to look at things. Um, But yeah, it's pretty interesting. Square says they were inspecting the loose dust outside the container. It looked like they were looking for any movement of the of the specs. You know, it kind of looks like um like a barbecue pit. Like the aliens had a big old fun time, and uh, right. And this is the uh, the ashes from their uh, barbecue pit, or maybe uh, shavings from their pencils. No, but it's not the only space news we have today because you know, and this reminds me of that movie. Was it Contact with Jodie Foster? Yeah, where it was like she's working in the research the space research lab and all of a sudden she starts hearing this noise and she realizes it's a radio signal being sent back to earth right pretty crazy scientists have captured mysterious radio signals throughout uh, traveling through space for more than a decade baffled by what could be emitting such raging pulses (laughs) some experts believe yours has much more of a good beat to it i like that (laughs) (laughs) maybe the aliens are out there this is from their party right they've got the barbecue going they've got the dance music party live yeah baby (laughs) (laughs) they're like should we invite their earthlings Nah, man they're still fighting amongst themselves let them figure it out some experts believe that the fast radio bursts uh, otherwise known as fr RBs could be aliens attempting to make contact with Earth, while others suspect they're black holes, like the black holes are the source. Now, researchers uh, from the University of Tokyo have suggested that FRBs are caused by starquakes. Never even heard that term before, have you? No, I haven't, and I am I love it. Starquakes. I, I think it's going to be the next, like, we should do a podcast about celebrities and call it Starquakes, <laughs> right? Or... Uh, <laughs> or on, uh, the, ne- the next name of the new like WNBA San Francisco team is Starquakes. The Starquakes. They, uh, that would be the Hollywood team. Uh, oh, yeah, do you that's know right. who I am? And yeah. Mark Thompson would be the coach. <laughs> Starquakes on rapidly spinning neutron stars that possess the most powerful magnetic fields in the known universe. This this is what sounds you know this sounds plausible to me right this is like when I say like oh it may not be aliens it's but it's something right and here it, it's not aliens making a phone call but you know it's the spinning neutron stars and these starquakes probably I mean it makes sense right the first FRB was spotted or rather heard by radio telescopes back in 2001 but was not discovered until 2007 when scientists were analyzing archived data that's interesting right we already had it but we just didn't know about it um, Professor Toma Tomanori Totani. Uh, said, recent observational advances have led to the detection of thousands more FRBs. So we took the opportunity to compare the now large statistical data sets available yeah. for FRBs with data from earthquakes and solar flares to explore possible similarities. So that's pretty interesting. It is really interesting. Just the the, the existence of star quakes to me is like, oh, yeah. I just learned something so new. That is super cool. It's like a celebrity divorce. <laughs> Uh, Harry's saying that they those were dad jokes. The only political, politi- only politically correct jokes allowed there in the go. office. And yeah. I love every one of them, Harry. You're awesome. Sold. I'll take all the dad <laughs> jokes. Um, we're you know we talk a lot about tech stuff and yeah. the 
this man who apparently is the godfather of AI. He's a former Google researcher, and he says AI might escape control by rewriting its own code to modify itself. Now, if that doesn't freak you out, Right. I don't know what will. His name is Jeffrey Hinton. He's the computer scientist, <clears throat> apparently known as the godfather of AI. He looks he like says, a computer scientist. <clears throat> doesn't he? He says AI enhanced machines might take over if humans aren't very, very careful. Uh, in five years time, he said, if it happens, AI could evolve beyond humans ability to control it. One of the ways these systems might escape control, he says, is by writing their own computer code to modify themselves. And that is something we need to seriously worry about. Um, He said humans, including scientists like himself who helped build today's AI systems, still don't fully understand how the technology works and evolves. Wait a minute. You build it, but you don't understand it? He said many AI researchers freely admit the lack of understanding. Yeah, you'll hear this if you uh, watch enough interviews with them. And as a matter of fact, Sundar Pakai called it AI's black box problem. So it's, it's, you know, it's a known thing. You build it, but you don't really know what the repercussions are or what it can do or all of the things still to come with it. Uh, Some people are really concerned, but some people are not concerned. It's kind of like how you created your kids, right? You don't (laughs) don't know exactly what you're doing. Like people say like, but you program, you program them, right? You're like, no, no, no. I, I created them and I allowed them to learn and do things on their own. It's, it's kind of the same thing, right? It's like you birth this system that can make its own decisions Mm -hmm. and you might regret it much like the way that you might have some regrets about your kids, right? Especially when they come busting in the door at the end of the show. Well, hey, that's just the way it is. Uh, Hinton says humanity is likely at a kind of turning point. He said that tech and government leaders have to determine whether to develop these things further and what to do to protect themselves if they do. And that his main message is there is enormous uncertainty about what is going to happen next. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, Score saying scary AI could become terrorist uh, tip an asteroid to hit the Earth. Otherwise, that that would have otherwise missed. Yikes. Uh, yeah, Pinky likes my analogy. I just thought of it. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's not why I don't have kids. You don't have kids because you're afraid they'll come busting in the room? Oh, no, I'm afraid they'll they'll just take over. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I actually have yeah. this odd feeling like they wouldn't like me. But I'm sure that's like a common feeling or thought. Yeah, the have. I don't know. I mean, I, at like, a I hope my kids don't turn into like a, you know, like a devil spawn and their head starts rotating and they spend their whole life trying to terrorize the neighborhood. No, no, I don't think that's right. I think I'm overthinking it. <laughs> yeah, I think you probably are. overthinking it. Yeah. Um, uh, John says, I think this dude is trying to avoid all future lawsuits for when his creation turns <laughs> on the human race like, and starts oh. killing people. He's like, oh, no, crap. no, no. Uh, oh, Joseph says horrible. legalize abortion for AI bots. No, it's scary. We do have to figure out. And when when the people that are making this stuff are telling you that's dangerous, I think you have to listen. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, people who actually spend their time thinking about it are are leading Mm -hmm. companies. Uh, They're getting all the inside reports right from all their department heads. They they know what we don't know. They're hearing they're hearing the cutting edge information. And uh, yeah, we should pay attention before it's too late. So let's talk. Let's do one more story before we take a break. This one okay. is about showering with your jeans on. And I have a personal story about this. Uh-oh. Go ahead. Do you want to give your personal story or do you want to wait? I have a, a cousin 
Okay. Who I love. He's funny and he's smart and he's a Googler. So he's not in Texas. He no, he's here in California. Okay. But he is really into like one of a kind clothes and um, special okay. jeans, like jeans that cost a lot of money, like hundreds oh. and hundreds and hundreds of dollars, if not stuff more. I would never buy. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> and he made me feel the texture of his jeans, and okay. it's like sandpaper, very coarse, very thick. Right. And he said the best way to take care of jeans like this is not to wash them. You don't ever need to wash your jeans ever. And I thought, what do you mean, don't wash your jeans? Like, gotta wash your jeans. But apparently, you don't, this is the way you do it. You don't wash them because it can strip them of all the, I don't know, things that make them good or uh, whatever. For whatever reason, he doesn't wash his jeans ever, like ever. And these stripping so away the DNA of your jeans. I guess you don't want to do that. And I, so I, that mm. made me think, made me think of him, which right. I make fun of him for wearing dirty pants, but his pants don't look dirty. But so well, this is a, a CEO that gets in the shower wearing his jeans. Yeah, this is actually the CEO of Levi's, Chip Berg. He says he wears his jeans to the shower to wa- in the shower to wash them. For years, denim experts uh, have been telling people to stop washing their jeans so much. Here's a picture of our beloved uh, denim leader. Rarely washing the popular pants keeps the fibers in better shape, like you were saying. If they smell, some have suggested popping them in the freezer, although the research is dubious. Really? What would that do other than make your pants really cold? I mean, maybe it contains it temporarily. That doesn't make logical sense to me. No, I think it would neutralize the smell if you freeze it. And funk up your freezer? Yeah. Uh, But Levi CEO Chip Berg recently did an interview on CNBC in which he gave another option for cleaning your jeans. Just wear them while you're in the shower. He says, if I drop some curry on my jeans, I hate when that happens, I'm going to clean it, but I'll spot clean it. You're not going to spot clean curry. <laughs> and, if, and if they really get gross, you know, I've been out sweating or something and they really get gross, I'll wash them in the shower. I think the thing here is like, yeah, if you're the CEO of a, of a jeans corporation, you probably aren't in situations where you're getting very dirty. But I'm sorry, after a few weeks, if you don't wash or maybe a week or a couple of weeks, if you don't wash your jeans and you're wearing them all the time. They get funky. Because uh, the jeans that my cousin has, they're very, like, very tightly woven. Yeah, those are like, like like you're saying they're kind of like shellacked and like uh, glue and glitter and stuff. Impenetrable fabric. Right. They have like polyurethane on them. I think that's different. But regular jeans, if you don't, they absorb things. And and just by going out, you know, going to bars, going to, you're going to, working out in the yard, uh, sweating. uh, No, gross. Uh, he goes on to clarify that he soaps up the jeans like he cleans his body. This guy is weird. Um, <laughs> Levi's declined SF Gates' request for clarification on whether or not he's using body wash or if he's taking laundry detergent in with him. The official stance from the 170-year-old San Francisco brand is that washing your jeans about every 10 wears is optimal. That's, uh, that sounds more reasonable. Oh, no, no. That sounds way more reasonable than not washing them. You wear uh, though, your jeans for ten days before you wash them, really? I'm, no. I'm, I, I think I've I've gone that long with jeans and they haven't been funky. Not okay. in not in a row. If you insist. Not in a I row, <laughs> but like around the house or whatnot. Mm. Um, because I know that if you do wash them all the time, you're you're gonna wear them out. They they wear pretty but fast. Don't if you, you wash them all though? The don't you? like when your jeans come out of the dryer and they feel softer and you know are you using know. fabric softener maybe a little bit yeah i don't and i <clears throat> I, I stopped using the dryer for most clothes uh, i'll use it for towels 
But I'm trying to save energy because I care about the environment, Kim. Oh, sorry. My bad. Uh, yeah, so I'll only do things that, that, that dry uh, quickly. Sorry to dry or shame you. Yeah. Uh, but so no, if I, if, I, if, I, if I put them in the dryer, they shrink or they get kind of hard, hardened. No. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't okay. like to put, I don't want to put a fabric softener on my clothes because you're putting chemicals. You're like putting another layer of chemicals in your clothes. I don't like yeah. Um, and I guess this whole washing your jeans in the shower is more sustainable and environmental, right? Yeah. Uh, but there's got to be a balance between environmentally friendly and not offending everybody around you with that funk, yeah. that gene uh, funk. All right. Well, when we come back uh, on the after party, we'll talk about whether you date for love or money. Ooh, um, money? Yeah. There's a new dating app, I guess. Another part one? It, parting it, well, I don't know how new it is, but part of it is you have to set, like, connect your LinkedIn profile. And oh. you, it's all about like what you do for a living. So we'll talk about that. Uh, I know. And we'll also get into trivia. Today's category, food. Yeah, wow. baby. So we'll do food trivia. That is coming up next on The After Party Live. The After Party Live is underwritten by our audience. And without you, this show wouldn't be possible. If you can contribute $10, $15, or $20 a month, it would keep this party a rockin'. The PayPal link can be found in the About section of the YouTube channel or at the bottom of the show description. Any dollar amount is appreciated, and it all adds up. On behalf of Kim and myself, thank you for your consideration. Aloha, bitches. It's the After Party Live. It is the After Party Live. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. And thank you to new contributor Steve P. Yes, thank you, Steve. And repeat contributors Mary... Mary D and Lee S, you are so, so appreciated. And some people to thank, too, with the super stickers that have come through today so far. Very, very grateful to Wes, always supporting the show and supporting our efforts. You're very appreciated. And Harry, as well, with an unbearable donation of $5. We appreciate you and your dad jokes as well. So Yeah, those automatic um, contributions through PayPal, that's really what's keeping the show going Mm -hmm. on a long-term basis. And some of them are very sizable. So thank you, Steve. I know Lee made a bunch of contributions. Um, Some of them, they were automatic. So Lee, if you got overcharged (laughs) and too many went through, let me know and I'll refund if you were trying to make an adjustment. Um, But we really appreciate all those contributions because that's what's keeping us um, going. You know, we're kind of we're we're taking the first couple months of uh, revenue and and investing it back into the show. You know, we had that campaign with the flyers, uh, uh, microphones, uh, high quality microphones. Mm -hmm. There's a soundboard here to control the show. There's a lot of uh, computers and equipment. So we're kind of, you know, it takes money to start a business. So we're kind of folding it back into the business to hopefully get this uh, sustainable. And uh, we can't do that without funding because we we don't want to run ads all the time and we don't have a sales staff. And who wants to hear about market volatility? (laughs) Nobody. (laughs) Nobody. Okay, speaking of money, let's get into this this story because I've promised it and I want to make sure that I deliver. This is a story about... Unlike yesterday. Unlike unlike yesterday and Mary Lou Retton. Yeah. This is a story about a dating app and how much do you consider what someone does for a living when you're deciding whether or not you want to add them to your dating repertoire, we should say. Okay, so a lot of people use dating apps. Under One in five adults under the age of 30 say they met their current spouse or partner on a dating app. That's from a Pew Research study. 
And on these apps, they have a listing for your profession. It's one of the first biographical details that someone can learn about you, what you do for a living. Usually it's right next to a little icon with a briefcase is what they say. Um, so I guess the question is, what, how, what priority do you put on that piece of biographical data about what someone does for a living? There is a dating app uh, that kind of is more about almost, it seems to me like it's more about money than it is about love, honestly, because Mm. you have to list your job. And then because so many people lie about it, you have to link your LinkedIn page to the dating app so people can verify that you do for a living what you say you do for a living, right? Um, and so some people are saying that, yeah, your job is one signal about your ambitions and how you want to spend your days. And when I think about my partner, says one person, what he does for a living, um, maybe isn't ranking the most of what I value about him. It never will be. But other people, they're, they don't feel that way. They feel differently. The dating app that you have to do your LinkedIn profile is called On The League. It is a dating app designed for career-driven people. It's designed for career-driven people on the league. The app requires you to sync your LinkedIn to verify employment and help build out what's seen on your dating profile. Because they don't want bad actors to go in and create a fake LinkedIn profile with fake rocket scientist at NASA. Uh, The woman who designed the app, her name is Amanda, she said, I basically built the app for me. I really wanted to know someone's professional and education background when I'm deciding if I want to go on the date with a date for them. So on the league has the compiled the five top professions that people are selected, you know, for for dates. If you're a woman, you get more interest from people and potential potential matches if you're in media, management, and finance. Ooh, did you no, say media, Kim? Number number one, not you're our kind taken. of media, though. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're already taken. Not our kind of media. Number one is a social media manager. Number two is an associate consultant. Number three is an investment banking analyst. Number four is a territory manager. And number five is a co-founder. All right. Territory so, manager. I think uh, Archie has that position. There you Mike go. Cat. If you have those positions, then you're more likely to get interest from whoever you're seeking. For men on the league, the job titles were in finance and banking. They are number one, private equity associate. Number two, investment banking analyst. Number three, MBA candidate. Number four, trader. And number five, chief operating officer. So if you had those degrees that require maybe more degrees, uh, advanced degrees, you're going to make some money, that will help you attract the opposite sex. So I just, I mean, if your whole point, and I understand, you know, they say, what are you looking for? Someone with teeth and a job, right? So you don't, maybe you're not attracted to someone who's... Are those your standards? No, yes, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Jackpot. He got teeth (laughs) and a job. And you're breathing. Welcome. It can provide for my children. Uh, But is it about what people do for a living? Like, 
is, is it enough to have a job managing this a is so cringy and vomit inducing store or working as a barista do we really need the guy that's the mba candidate like i what about love what about meeting someone and feeling a spark can your personality be more than your job status right. and, and identifying in your career it, can you mm -hmm. can you turn it off for a minute and have like a genuine connection with somebody without making it so superficial. I hate when people, the first thing out of their mouth is like, what do you do for a living? Right. I'm sorry, how, where's hello? Hi. It's like, are you, are you looking for money? <laughs> and it's funny a, that you mentioned you that because- you need a sugar daddy, a sugar mommy? There's part of this article that says sharing your fancy job title is meant to solicit that first flirtatious, hi, how are you? message. But of course, all the assumptions about what your job may signal can be completely wrong. Just because someone seems like they're wealthy and ambitious based on what they do for work doesn't mean that's true. And I will say this, yeah, that as someone who maybe had a more public job, you right. know, where anyone could hear me when, whenever it seemed like, that be kind of becomes, you kind of internalize it as this part of who you are. And then you lose the job for whatever reason, sports right. betting. And you realize <laughs> money, money, you're, money. You're money. so much. <laughs> you're so much more than what the job was, right? Yeah. Like it's you are not the job. Yeah. That but it is takes not, a while to process. Yeah, but it, because it's so linked in with who you are. But I think in. that's different than going around be like, hey, it's like like your your past, like your past to well, get in the back of the backstage is like, what is, what is your job? What I'm saying is that when you are so, when people are so. Like, uh, what do you do for a living? And yeah. that that tells me whether I want to date you or not. Right. That it really connects that person to the job. And the person that you're going to eventually date, if not end up with, you know, what if they lose that job? Yeah. You're with the person. You're not with the job. Yeah, it's like you're I'm applying for a, a job, again, to go back to a story yeah. we did before, and, and they're asking, uh, do you have a college degree? <laughs> We're going to filter you out here based on your answer. It just seems so uh, gross. And it's like, yeah. you can ask that question after you get to know somebody. But when you when it's the first thing out of your mouth, and there's a different intensity, yeah. I think, when you're in an urban environment, because there's so many go-getter, career-driven tech people here. And yeah. in a lot of urban areas, it's pr probably in the Silicon Valley as well. It's probably different, mm -hmm. I imagine, than in the North Bay. Um, for the most part, but there's this intensity of like, who are you? And the vibe is like, sh should I waste my time talking to you? Right? right. Are, are you in tech? Like, and, and, and in the media world, it's like, are you a producer? Because it's always like part time actors. It's like, uh, how can I how can I uh, advance my career? You know, that happened a lot when I was in Hollywood. Like I meet people at parties and whatnot. It's like, oh, what do you do? What do you? Oh, oh, you work in media? Oh, oh, I'm interested now. <laughs> you, know, says, you know Mark Thompson? <laughs> <laughs> Heather says it's just one piece of the bigger puzzle of who someone is. It's part of the context and it's important info to have. Yeah, but I would say not straight out of the gate. Not out of the gate. It just makes you sound, to me, am I the only one? It's, it makes you sound really superficial. Like you're trying to meet somebody potentially for a romantic relationship. The first thing is like, how much money do you make? Well, Are I you guess banker? It, it depends on what your reaction is to what they say. If yeah. they say... If you have a connection with someone and you like right out of the gate, you think they're attractive or whatever, yeah. and they say, I'm a, you know, manager at McDonald's or I'm a barista or I work at the uh, auto parts store or whatever. I it have is, a YouTube show. They, <laughs> there you go. Like, uh, they bye. have a, they, <laughs> bye, see you later. They have You're a, a YouTuber? job. So are you going to not then choose to go out with that person because the job isn't attractive to you? 
Even well, if and, it, and if is. they are turned off and walk away, yeah. then they've actually, now that I have wisdom <laughs> over the years, <laughs> they're doing you a favor, right? Yeah. Instead of wasting any more time. But I, right. I don't know. Maybe I'm uh, overreacting to that. I just, I've had a lot of bad experiences where I just, the first thing out of somebody's mouth is like, it's not even just yeah. for like romantic interactions. It's like, should I even talk to you? Should I be your friend? You know, it's yeah. like, what do you do? Oh, okay. And they'll walk away because you're not in tech or whatnot. It's just, I don't know. It's just so superficial. Yeah. It's like, can we just separate them for a moment in time? No. And uh, Grady says, man, I can't compete. Square says, a job like Barney Stinson and the wit to go with it. Yeah. A bit of a turnoff, like groping, says Spencer. It mm. just seems a little aggressive to me. And bleh. But yeah. uh, moving on to something. <laughs> I don't know if this is more palatable. Mm. Uh microplastics oh and here uh, i thought this was a pretty picture <laughs> it is a pretty picture but microplastics have been found everywhere from the ocean's depths to the antarctic ice and now new research oh these are those people they, they come at us every day with the new research they've detected it in an alarming new location oh you can't get away from it kim clouds there are microplastic in clouds hanging atop two japanese mountains the clouds around japan's mount fuji for real and mount oyama contain concerning oh. levels of tiny plastic bits and highlight how the pollution can spread long distances, contaminating planets' crops and water via plastic rainfall. Jeez. So let me just, <sighs> to, to recap, yes. there's plastic in the this water. This just in. Yeah. There's microplastic in the fish. In our bodies, in breast milk. In the ocean. There's microplastic in breast milk. There's microplastic in our blood. There's microplastic in our children. And now there's microplastic in the clouds falling from the sky in rain. Am I, is, am I on the track there? Yes, that's right. So you can't get away from microplastic. It's and don't everywhere. forget forever chemicals. Oh, in case you great. needed something else to worry about. The plastic oh. was so concentrated in the samples that researchers collected that it's thought to be causing clouds to form while giving off greenhouse gases. It's giving what? off greenhouse gases, too. If the issue of plastic air pollution is not addressed proactively, climate change and ecological risks may become a reality, causing irreversible and serious environmental damage. Happy Thursday. Can <laughs> we all. go back in time to when plastic was invented and just tell them, listen? No, 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 you no. You don't no, understand no. what's going to happen here. Can we do our AI way back time machine and just say, listen, please take away the plastic? We, we don't want it falling from the sky and creating gases yeah. and clouds. No. This pollution is made up from plastic particles that are smaller than five millimeters that are released from larger pieces of plastic during degradation. They're also intentionally right. added to some products, intentionally. Or discharged in ind industrial effluent. Uh, tires are thought to be among the main sources as plastic beads used in personal care products. I always think about that. You know, your tires are wearing as you drive them, right? Mm -hmm. So all those bits of tire are all over the place and they're kind of almost aerosol, like aer aerosolized, right? It's, it's everywhere. You can smell yeah. in brake, brake dust along the same lines. Like all that's going in the air, you know, or being swept up eventually. But uh, anyway, so it's my job to be uh, Debbie Downer today. You're okay. Welcome. Well, that's really nice. Are we gonna do? <laughs> are we gonna do more stories? Or are we gonna do th trivia? Oh, let's do our trivia. Okay. Let's take a uh, let's uh, switch gears here and go to trivia mode. Okay. Do you want to start it off? I have to. I I compiled a list that is not on the fly today, so I have to open my document oh, that I created of, of all my special trivia. Uh, here it is: food trivia. All right. Question number one, coming okay. to you at the after party live, live. is. Which country drinks the most coffee in pounds per year? 
uh, per capita, I imagine, like per person, uh, which I guess in total, the total amount which number country of pounds. drinks the most coffee in pounds per year. Okay, so total number of pounds of coffee. Mm -hmm. That's right. Okay, it would have to be a large country. Do they drink coffee? In, I know they have coffee in China, but I don't know. It's mostly tea there. Ooh. Um, just based on population, I want to lean towards saying the United States. Mm. But I have I a feeling I'm going to be wrong. I'm going to. I have a feeling I'm going to be wrong because the other countries don't have huge populations. Mm -mm. Heavy coffee drinkers. Uh, William countries. says it's China. West says it's Germany. It might, be, it might be China based on the population size. Doug says it's Italy. Grant is agreeing with you. He says it's the U.S. Square says Brazil. West says Canada. Yeah, Ren India says is Ethiopia. a tea, tea, like chai drink in society. I am not seeing the right answer here. Really? France? Yeah. Haven't said it. Maybe this was one of those hard Kim questions. Is it Brazil? No, it isn't. Mm -mm. And I think you've been to this country, too. Is it a sizable population? Uh, no, I wouldn't think so. Really? Mm -hmm. And the total highest number of pounds? Highest number of pounds. Finland. What? Right. I guess what? they drink a hell of a lot of coffee in Finland. Yeah. Wow, Finland is not a large country. Mm. Wow, when you go to Finland, it's like you're in the capital and all of a sudden you're walking through the town and it's like the, is you know how like we have a, in Sonoma County, you have like the urban uh, interface where it's all of a sudden the trees, you got right? forests and trees like in the in Santa Rosa area. It's like that yeah. even within uh, the capital of, uh, in Helsinki hmm. there. Is there a coffee shop on every corner? I guess so, but they're not open on Sunday morning, I'll tell you that. Nothing oh. is open on Sunday morning. <laughs> so if you're there on a Sunday morning, plan, uh, bring your coffee with you. Bring your, uh, well, your Coachella Valley with you in your carry-on. Congratulations, Finland. That's the total number of pounds. I find that hard to believe. Yep. If it was per capita, maybe, but total number of pounds? Wow. Listen, I'm not making these things up. I guess we're slacking. Come on, Starbucks. Let's get going. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next. Okay, my question. In which country are tuna eyeballs considered a delicacy? And I'll give you four options. In okay. which country are tuna eyeballs considered a delicacy? Mm -hmm. Japan, Brazil, Australia, or Singapore? Japan, Brazil, Australia, or Singapore? And I think I gave you the answer yesterday by accident. So let's go to the chat. And it looks like the first person is, is it Grant? It's Grant. Hey, Congratulations, Grant. Look at you go. Uh, Grant awesome. got it. Yeah. Tuna eyeballs, delicacy in Japan. Next question. Where does German chocolate cake actually come from? German chocolate cake. Yeah. I'm going to say America. But where? America. That's not specific enough? Mm -mm. Are you looking for a city? Oh, jeez. At least a state. Give me a state. German chocolate cake. Mm -hmm. Is it New York? It is not. Oh. Anybody? Is it somewhere in the Midwest? Uh, I'll give you the answer. This is uh, in honor of Grant and Bee Cave. This one, really? Dallas, Texas. It's wow. Dallas, Texas. Yeah, that's where German chocolate cake comes from. Grant did use, he used to live in uh, in Dallas there. So I hope you got some uh, German chocolate cake before you moved. Yeah. Uh, where can you dine on a 100-year-old egg? Okay, I'm gonna give you, again. I'm gonna give you four options. Where can you dine on an, a 100-year-old egg? Is it Russia, 
Finland, <laughs> China, or Estonia? 100-year-old egg. Where can you dine on it? Russia, Finland, China, or Estonia? I don't know the answer to that. I would have thought, like, just from Survivor, I would have yeah. thought that it would be an Asian country. Because don't they have like those fermented eggs? Right. That are, but I guess it's not that. So I'm going to guess China. Yep. You and Pinky got it. Oh, look at that. All right. Very cool. Okay, this next question is a visual question. So if you're listening via podcast, I'll oh, try to describe this. Oh, I didn't know there was going to be a visual, visual this question. This is a visual question, yeah. Um, what is this called? And if you're looking at it, it kind of looks like a long, like, almost looks like, like a potato. Like but when potato you, or like a potato-colored yam. Yeah, and when you cut it open, it has a really cool pattern of like hollowed-out circles around the edge. Mm-hmm. And that's what not where that bug. Called? That's not where bugs have been eating. No, mm-hmm. no. I don't know. That? Some kind of some kind of tuber. Uh, let's see. Is it lotus root? Yes, it is. Who knew? And who got it first? Let's go back here. Beth got it. Pauline. I think Pauline oh, got it first. Okay. Yeah, it's a lotus root. Mm-hmm. Wow. Interesting. I have never Pauline. seen anything like this. <laughs> You've never seen anything like this. <laughs> no, in I haven't. I have not seen it. All right, your turn. Okay, uh, I didn't bring any visuals. I didn't know that was going to be a thing. Well, In which country several. are fried spiders a popular street food? Okay, fried spiders. Again, I'm giving you four options. Is it Ecuador, Peru, Costa Rica, or Cambodia? Which country has fried spiders as a popular street food as you're walking down the street? Uh, Ecuador, just, Peru, Costa Rica, or Cambodia? I'm going to say Cambodia. And you and uh, Grant got it again. Oh, hey, hey, look Grant's at that. Grant's on fire. Okay, I have another picture one for you. Okay. What vegetable is this? It's a green vegetable. It almost looks like a head of lettuce, but it also looks like um, a succulent almost. It's got... I don't know, like kind of like a sea anemone growth. Slash yeah, wart. wart. <laughs> <laughs> little green warts on your lettuce. Yes, that's what it looks like. What vegetable is it? Yeah, I think I'm, we're going back to this question of of whether or not this is answerable. <laughs> I think it is. I think people get will it? know. No, not yet. Uh, let's see. Getting oh, yeah, of... people. Yeah, people already got it. Mm-hmm. Really? Absolutely. Yeah. The Who's minute I put up the picture, people got it. I have to go back. Okay, so it. A lot of people guessed broccoli, uh, but RJ got it right. It is Romanesco. Mm-hmm. Is this served in the United States? I don't know. I've never had it, but it's Romanesco. SJ Lola said something similar. Romescu. Yeah. Pauline, Romanesca. Uh, yeah, obviously, so, it's a known it's a known vegetable. Mod, Romanesco. Yeah. Or Mama de, de Three Boys, rather. Yeah, the Romanesco. Huh. A lot of people know it. I don't. I've never seen it before. Never seen this. If anyone in the chat can inform me what uh, culture consumes this, Romanesco. And, and... Yeah, okay. sounds like something European. Um, okay, let's see. Uh, raspberries mm. are a member of this family. It is a flower that you're used to seeing in gardens. Raspberries are a member of this family. It's a flower that you would see in many, many gardens. 
White House has one. Golden Gate Park has one. Rose, roses? Yeah. Wow. A rose garden. Raspberries you, that are That was too easy. When you said the White House, I, know, I mean, come on. Yeah. Uh, raspberries are a member of the rose family, as are cherries, apricots, uh, plums, pears, apples, uh, quince, uh, quince, I thought. Mm-hmm. Quinces? It's in quinces here. I think it's pronounced mm-hmm. quince. Um, peaches, strawberries, and blackberries. Unlike roses, though, these types of fruits typically have flowers with five equal petals arranged around one central core. And just like roses, raspberries and blackberries have plenty of thorns, too. So that makes sense, right? Yeah. They're in the same family. They got the same spikes. Why? Yeah. Okay. Next question. Moving on. What spice provides vitamin A, inhibits hair loss, and can prevent spider veins? It is commonly used in Indian, Hungarian, Mexican, and Moroccan food. What spice? Cumin? No. It's not cumin. Mm Mm-mm. But whatever it is, I'm going to start eating more of it. It prevents, it inhibits hair loss, which right. I need, can prevent spider veins, and provides vitamin A. Chris is uh, guessing turmeric. Spencer's. Uh, it's not John. turmeric. No. Uh, but we do, everyone's, just, everyone's guessing, Deidre. Everyone's get, was guessing turmeric. I um, did see a winner. I do oh, you have did? a. Yeah, I can only scroll down a little bit through them. It is. Paprika? Ren. Yeah, paprika. Wow. Yeah. If somebody said paprika earlier, my apologies for skipping you. Uh, yeah, it might have been Ren was the first. Yeah, it's paprika. So now that we know that, everybody, we can start eating more paprika. I'm down with that. And if you like paprika, my um, my friend and I went to a restaurant in San Francisco. It's kind of like in the outer mission. Um, I think it's near Valencia mission. It's called paprika, and oh. it is Hungarian and Czech food. And it's oh. very good. So if you're okay. looking for Hungarian or Czech food in the city, there's a restaurant called Paprika. We met one of the owners. Really cool, small little place. Um, it's pricey because it's the city, but it, if mm-hmm. you want, it's worth the money. It's yeah. uh, the authentic experience. All right. Okay. You got another one? Yeah. I almost forgot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's see. Neither California rolls or um, Hawaiian pizza were actually invented in America. What country were California rolls and Hawaiian pizza invented in? Uh, Japan. Incorrect. <laughs> the category R is uh, inauthentic uh, versions of food. But I answered with such certainty, <laughs> California right? rolls and <laughs> Hawaiian pizza. <laughs> yeah, kind of like my Cuban answer. Yeah. What country are those two f- uh, from? So that's kind of mm. like, you know, like faux sushi. Oh, William got it. Canada. Yep. Really? Canada. Okay. Both foods originated uh, in the U.S.'s northern neighbor, Canada. Popular sushi roll was crafted for the first time in Vancouver by chef Hidekaza Tojo. Uh, Hmm. Heard of the BC roll, rainbow roll, golden roll, or spider roll? He created all of those. Wow, that's pretty impressive. As for the pizza, that was an experiment by Greek-Canadian Sam Panopoulos. Um, According to Time magazine, the, the name Hawaiian was given based on the brand of pineapple that the chef was using at the time. While the food divides many, it's undivided. It's undivided that it's a Canadian invention. Yeah, because it's Canadian bacon and pineapple. So do do you like pineapple on your pizza? Okay, I'm not one of these like strict people. They're like, oh, there has to be one version of this. Like I like Mm -hmm. deep dish and I like thin crust. I like them both. I appreciate them equally separately. Your equal opportunity pizza. Yeah, I don't think that I think pineapple Hawaiian pizza is kind of like an outlier 
But yeah. when I'm in the mood for it, I enjoy it. Right. I love pineapple on my pizza. I, okay. I, if you got to watch how much if you're cooking it, you got to watch how much liquid is in the pineapple in anything you cook with pineapple. Because my my mom bakes a lot in the pineapple yeah. upside down cake. You have to make sure that you don't have too much liquid because yeah. then it may take forever for your your cake to bake. I love it. And if I'm ordering pizza just for myself, I always yeah. order pineapple. But, but I've I noticed that even very, with pineapple yeah. pizza, a lot of times when yeah. you know it comes out and you get it, the top of the pizza, the dough is not actually cooked because it's yeah. just too moist. Yeah. Uh, these are the things I like to think about. Okay, next question. <laughs> okay, here we go. The um, Chinese takeout box. Okay. I have, happen to have one here. This is a visual. Yeah. Although I do have an actual visual. The Chinese takeout box was invented... In what country? United States. Uh, yeah. Come on, come on, come on. Yeah. It was invented in the United States. Yeah. America. <laughs> I thought that was such a clever question. Way too easy. And didn't I see th- something like uh, it actually unfolds, so you can like turn it into a plate? Yeah. It. It's. And who knew that that was the case? It does unfold so that you can do it differently but who does that does anybody take the time to do that yeah a lot of times they come out with these things they're like oh this is a hack this is the way it was meant to be and maybe it's just a coincidence because obviously it has to be folded to create that yeah um okay next question Mm -hmm. there's more water in which of these two watermelon or cucumber more water in watermelon or cucumber i'm gonna say watermelon (laughs) really it's cucumber Really? Only because you said watermelon. Okay, well, not by much. Cucumber's more dense, right? Cucumber's more dense, but watermelon seems like it would have. It's sometimes more spongy, a little bit. No? Yeah, I guess it depends on the. Uh, maybe it's by volume. Uh, okay. okay, but it's not by much, so I'll give you that credit. But it's still a fun food fact to, uh, to us. Watermelon is about ninety-two percent water, while cucumber is ninety-five percent water. That's actually the same as lettuce and celery. It's also super low in calories with just eight per serving. Okay. Well, that's interesting. So, yeah. Got that the, one wrong. What am I not getting, getting it right today or what? No. What has the most traded, what is the most traded spice in the world? Oh, I feel like I know this. It's one of the obvious ones from, it's got to be, I want to say it's cinnamon. I like cinnamon. It's not cinnamon. Anybody? What oh, is pepper? The, it is pepper. Okay. I knew I knew I knew it back like twenty years ago when I was in school. And then it slipped right it out. It's pepper. Yeah. Um and uh, let's see. It looks like uh, Miss Organic got it. John got it. Yeah. Grant got it. Uh Grant's on fire today. I know yeah. he is. Congratulations all. Um okay, this is my last one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh let's see. I already gave this one away, but did you know that bananas float in water? Because they do. And its skin is said to help relieve the itching from what? Wait, what did you say? Bananas split in water? No, bananas float in water. Oh, bananas float We were float talking about water. fruits okay. that float, and I fruits already mentioned that. Float. that. Okay. Yeah, so bananas do float in water. That's uh, just a bonus fact. Okay. But its skin is said to help relieve the itching from what? Mm, mosquito bites? Oh, there you go. Wow, you finally got I got one right. Uh, okay, eating- I- Eating bananas can slow your, uh, it can help slow your, um, let's see, it can help your nervous system, restore tired muscle tissues, and boost bored brains, according to Australian bananas. They're also the world's oldest fruit dating back more than 10,000 years. Oh, okay. Interesting. I didn't know that. They were the oldest fruit. All right. I have a bunch of questions, so I'm just going to barrel through them. All right. Okay. 
what, uh, how much caffeine needs to be taken out of coffee for it to be designated as decaffeinated? I think it's 95%. 97%. Uh, close enough. What maybe? does Dorito <laughs> actually mean? Dorito. Dorito, like the chip. Like, like it's an actual Spanish word. Mm-hmm. What does it mean? That's a good question. I thought it was an invention. Dorito. Somebody getting it here? Mm. In the chat. Pinky says golden. Almost yes. Part of it is golden. Yeah. Is it Spanish Gordon for cheese corn. dust? It means little golden things. Oh, oh, golden. Dorito think, is a little golden thing. I think Pinky gets it. Some bands share a name with food, like musical bands. Okay. Which band named after food stuff has sold the most records? Oh, I'm not going to get this. You guys want me to tell you? Well, let's give people a second here. So you're saying this is a band that's named after food. Mm-hmm. Can you narrow it down to like uh, decades? I can say it's a band from California. Oh, I think uh, Pauline got it first. Is it this one? It's the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, Pauline got it. Congratulations. Followed by, well done, Pauline. Followed by, closely by Meatloaf. (laughs) 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 What is the most frequently ordered item of food in America? Frequently ordered Ordered. food. Mm -hmm. Pizza? Good guess, but no. (sighs) Hamburger? Nope. Cheeseburger. The answer is, does anybody get it? Fries? No. Fried chicken is the answer. Really? Fried chicken. Most frequently ordered item. Interesting. This one I thought was crazy. What food item, and I'm coming to the end, what food item do you need a doctor's note to purchase after 6 p.m. in Newark, New Jersey? (laughs) Food item? It's wild. You'll never guess. I'll just tell you. It's not alcoholic. No joke. No. Mm -mm. Ice cream. Ice cream. According to laws in Newark, New Jersey, people are not allowed to order ice cream after 6 p.m. The only exception is if they have a note from their doctor. It doesn't matter if the customer is elderly or a child. No ice cream will be sold after that time of day. Who created this law? I don't even know if it's enforced. but And and when did he join Al-Qaeda? Jesus. <laughs> what? What is Eskimal? Eskimal. E S C A M O L. Eskimal. Eskimal. I will uh, say it's, a, Mex- me it's a, a Mexican delicacy. Eskimal. Is it like, uh, it's not like eyeballs, is it? Mm, it's something gross. Uh, tongue? And I say that with all the ethnocentricity pouring from my body. Yeah. It's not tongue. No, it's not tongue. Mm-mm. It's not like chicken feet? No, it's not. I'll just uh, tell you. It is not intestines. snail. Joel Gordon, I see that. No, not. It is insect caviar. A Ew. dish made from the edible larvae and pupa no. of, a- of ants. No, harvested no. Harvested from the tequila or mescal plant, considered something of a delicacy. It's said to have the consistency of cottage cheese and a buttery uh, nutty taste. Uh, uh, no. Next gross question. In no, which country we're in overtime. Is, you got to make it end. Make it in, stop. In which, stop. in which country is fermented shark a delicacy? Oh, fermented shark. I want to say it's China. It is not. 
It's not China. It's an island. Philippines? It is Iceland. Taiwan. Really? Iceland. Yeah, it's called Hakari. It's called Hakari in Iceland. They say, um, made from the Greenland shark, its meat is poisonous when fresh. So in order to eat it, Icelanders <laughs> let it spoil in the ground for months and then out in the elements for a few more to Do you think dry. Like, the guy who like sells it just made that up so that he could like, uh, <laughs> he, like he didn't have to worry about it being fresh? He's like, ah, uh, no, you can't eat it fresh. Sorry. Yeah, it, I know it, it's I know it's bad. It's old. It's stale. But uh, yeah, I'm protecting you, really. It's a revolting dish to many first-timers. Eating it without gagging is what separates the men from the boys, they say. While the smell of the putrefied shark itself could make the faint-hearted ill, the taste is ultimately sweet, nutty, and faintly fishy, if you like ammoniated wax. Yeah, I don't. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, uh, we want to thank Wes for a second super sticker. Wes, what up, what up, my Florida friend? And Beth... Super sticker for twenty dollars. Nice. Holler. Thank you, <laughs> that, Beth. That's and Pinky. So kind. Thank you. And Pinky with the dollar. Thank you. Yes. It all adds up. We appreciate yep. it. Um, you here guys are on awesome. The after party live. And it's tomorrow that time. is Friday. We have uh, Florida's Friday Fabulous Florida coming up on the Mark Thompson Almost show tomorrow. <laughs> um, and we'll be here on the after party live, wrapping up the week for you tomorrow as well. Thanks for playing along with the trivia. Thank you yeah, for the contributions. Fun. Yeah, it was really and fun. And if we're going we- to go into overtime, might as well do it with disgusting facts. I didn't. You, I, and you, there were questions I didn't get to. So, uh, yeah. See what happens when I actually take time to prepare myself. Yeah. Uh, you, this there's is no the off after party live. Kim, Kim McAllister, yeah. that's your name, right? Yeah, that's right. Have a great afternoon, you guys. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Mwah. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the support.